broadcasting simultaneously from H-Town and the Motor City. Welcome to another episode of the aptly named podcast about no topic and extreme specificity. I'm Josh, along with my co-host and resident boffin, Dan. Say hi to the folks, Dan. Hello. This week, as if we're not music enough to your ears, we'll be chatting about music. We'll talk about, you know, some of the trends that we've been into lately, some of the bands that we're into. Maybe we'll chat, give you some history lessons about what got us into music. And we'll also probably talk about the black sheep of our Spotify playlists. Yeah. So uh, do you want to start off with your musical tendencies, Josh? Yeah. I mean, anyone who knows me will tell you that uh, I'm a huge Billy Joel fan. As um, am I. And... Um, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that I'm a much bigger Billy Joel fan than Dan is. Um, That's debatable. Which is which is saying something because Dan's a pretty decent Billy Joel fan, but uh, I'm borderline obsessed. I have uh, his entire discography on on vinyl. Uh, even I recently picked up um, Songs in the Attic, so I have his entire studio discography plus Songs in the Attic. Um, so he's he's the the benchmark for my musical taste if you want to put on a song that you know i'm gonna like uh you're pretty safe with the billy joel song except for maybe the last two tracks of the stranger album um oh i would disagree uh, well you're wrong let's talk about 90s joel (laughs) river dreams isn't bad it's pretty bad river dreams is it's it's still got some good stuff on it. All about soul is good. It's got a good song on it. <laughs> no, because River of Dreams. So it's got at least two. Okay, fair enough. But at any rate, um... you started with Metallica, right? Or was it something else? Started as in like what was the first band you were really into oh billy joel since i was a child since i was a very small child my mom was really into billy joel um so that's like what was always playing um in the house was just she was always she always had a billy joel cd on uh she had these like um dvd she had a couple DVDs of his concerts or she had these, uh, a DVD, which was like compilations of his music videos that I would love to just sit down and watch. Um, so it was, it was always Billy Joel. Uh, I've always really been into classic rock. Uh, I, you mentioned Metallica. I really got into Metallica and I, I would guess you would say my rebellious phase when I was in middle school. Um, I remember, uh, the first CD I ever bought myself was death magnetic, which, Anyone who knows anything about Metallica song, Metallica knows that it can only go up from there. <laughs> um, talk about a talk about an album that only has a couple of good songs, but I I remember just sitting there doing my pre-algebra homework to cyanide, thinking I was all rebellious and cool. Um, but uh, yeah, mostly classic rock, uh, a little bit of metal, um, but. Billy Joel for the most part. Um, How about you, Dan? Well, for me, I got started, uh, well, similar to you, 
just what was on the CD player at home. Uh, and I was, I would either, you know, listen to what was in the, uh, five disc carousel in the living room or, uh, what my dad had playing in the garage while we were working on cars and stuff. And that was eighties, uh, rock and metal. So a lot of Def, Def Leppard and Van Halen in particular, uh, I'm very fond of those groups. Also, some uh, 90s and 2000s stuff. You know, you got some some Pearl Jam, some Nickelback. I know that Nickelback is easy to hate, but, you know, if you, if you, you know, kind of cordon off the image of the band, their music is kind of fun. So I liked Nickelback. Nickelback is a good time. Um and then from there, when I started to develop my own musical taste, I got really into heavy stuff. Um, not quite like, you know, death and thrash metal, but like uh, Breaking Benjamin, Seether, um, stuff like that, and a little bit of Five Finger Death Punch, but that was as heavy as I ever got. Uh, that stuff was really angry. <laughs> that was my rebellious phase in middle school and part of high school. Um, I was really into stuff that just rocked, you know, just like, just, you know, hardcore, just rock and roll. Uh, I was playing it on, you know, vintage speakers that could shake the house and, you know, it was a good time. Um, but then... It all kind of changed when I went to college and I started listening to the exact same stuff that my dad listened to in college, which is kind of interesting, but it was a lot more soft stuff. Um, I got into like Tracy Chapman, Billy Joel, Elton John, um, uh, like Paul Simon, you know, lots of more, I guess, folk-ish uh, definitely still with a rock tinge, uh, just, you know, lots of classic rock, you know, Fleetwood Mac and other seventies and eighties stuff, a little bit of sixties in there, but, uh, I, I definitely mellowed out over the years and, um, I'm definitely a lot more broadened out from just the standard rock and roll now. Uh, but, if you were to look at my CD collection, you would see the most of uh, Billy Joel, Elton John, and Steely Dan. So uh, lots of lots of seventies like jazz rock stuff. But uh, do we want to go into a little bit more of our uh, recent discoveries? Do you want to take that away, Josh? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess the biggest one for me is I've recently gotten into Kiss. Um, in fact, I just I just got the Destroyer album on vinyl for my birthday. So you um, mentioned, so was... sorry, uh, you mentioned uh, your mom had uh, like a music video compilation DVD. My dad had one of those for Kiss, so that's how yeah. I knew all those songs when you were bringing up that you were getting into kiss i was like oh you lick it up and i love it loud and 
That's because my dad had a disc of all the old MTV videos of those songs, and they're great. They really are. Kiss is a a great time. I don't know why I didn't get into them sooner. Um, And they have, you know, so many popular songs that you just, they're one of those bands that you hear one of their songs. You're like, oh, yeah, this is a good song. I've heard this song, and you just didn't realize it was Kiss. So, yeah, I've been getting into them recently. I know you've been um, trying to push me to get more into Steely Dan, and it's funny, I was talking to my mom this evening and we were talking about my record collection. She asked me if I had any Steely Dan and I said no. And she said, well, then I've truly failed you as a mother. Well, she knows what she's talking about then. <laughs> cause which she, she can't really have failed me that much. Cause she's the reason I'm such a huge fan of Billy Joel, but I guess the, she, that didn't really extend to Steely Dan. Uh, they have the, Steely Dan has some pretty good songs. They're just a little too soft for me. There's uh, a hump. The There's time. a hump that you get over when you get past the elevator music stage and you actually start to get into it. Yeah. Um, and then I recently had a breakthrough. I've always said that I hate Fleetwood Mac. Um, I, just last week, uh, I had a breakthrough with them, and I actually, they're, they're pretty good. I, I, see, I see why people like them now. So... That's that's kind of been, you know, the past couple of weeks of what I've been getting into. Uh, it's been, this past couple of weeks have been a little bit more of an exploratory phase for me than usual. I guess it could be because I'm I'm old now. Um, <laughs> but uh, what about you, Dan? Well, so real quick, what's your, what's your black sheep? What's your guilty pleasure? What, what do you not tell people that you like? I mean... A lot of people probably don't know that I'm pretty into Eminem. I have a decent amount of Eminem on my Spotify playlist. Um, I've told people that if I were to ever be elected president, my inauguration song would be The Real Slim Shady. Um, So that's, that's a big one that I'm into. I'm also really into The Lonely Island, which is just a bunch of nonsense parody songs, but they also have for what for whatever reason they have no business have really good actual like actually good music um so they're they're on my playlist too i'm i'm not a lot of their songs are kind of raunchy and stuff so i'm not exactly proud of the fact that they're on my playlist usually if i'm listening with somebody else i'll usually skip their songs to to save the other person or maybe to save myself the embarrassment um but I think those two are the ones that maybe not a lot of people know that I'm actually pretty into. Um, and I think the, the, I think I'm into Eminem because my brother went through a phase, his rebellious phase in middle school was Eminem. Um, and that's what he would play in the car when, when he turned 16 and he would be driving me around. We'd either be listening to like Eminem or tech nine or yellow wolf, like one of those, group so i'm actually pretty into those three artists um for whatever reason like it's not obviously it's not my usual it's a far cry from billy joel um but a lot of people probably don't know that i'm i'm into them as well yeah that's that's pretty good um i've also had kind of a rap hip-hop exploration recently 
And it's largely due to a YouTube channel. I think it's called uh, Twins the New Trend. It's these African-American twins who just listen to songs that they haven't heard before and react to it on camera. And it's just really wild seeing songs that I've known for years just reacted to from a very different perspective and like, you know, they're hearing this for the first time and they're in their twenties or something, I think. Whereas I have known that song for, you know, probably over a decade. And I've just that, you know, that sense in my mind, that memory and sense of place associated with that song already. And they're coming into it completely fresh and then seeing how they uh, perceive that song in a very different way than I do. And so they've covered some like, you know, eighties, nineties, hip hop rap stuff. And I've, I've, I realized I've heard a lot of it and you know, some of it's been sampled over and over again and all that stuff, but, uh, I'd never really given it the time of day. And so I actually, you know, pulled up the chronic uh, by Dr. Dre and just kind of, you know, sampled through some of that, um, a little bit of NWA in there, um, just to, just to see, you know, a different perspective. So, you know, kind of like, kind of like their point of view coming into it pretty late and not really having a sense of time and purpose behind it. Um, but that was actually really interesting. I, I enjoyed quite a bit of it. Um, it's, it's pretty solid music. <laughs> so I, you know, of course don't have the same background or, or lifestyle or meaning associated with it, but, um, it, it's fun to listen to. So, uh, that's been kind of a recent thing for me. Uh, but more in my wheelhouse, I've really gotten into James Taylor. Um, so if you if you watch the boys, uh, the main character Huey, I think he ranks his his top musical artists, and the first one is James Taylor, and the second one is Billy Joel, and <laughs> so he and I are basically the same person. Um, but I've I started with James Taylor's uh, early stuff, like. Uh, you know, Sweet Baby James, JT, uh, Gorilla, stuff like that. And I, I loved every minute of it. And then I realized that he pretty much never stopped being awesome all the way through the 90s. So uh, I've got a lot of discography to catch up on now. But, you know, even his, you know, late 80s, early 90s stuff, which is usually where the 60s and 70s artists just plummeted. He's still, he still maintains, I think he's, uh, he's enter, he's muscling his way into my list of top songwriters. So he's probably up there with Jackson Brown and Billy Joel for me. Have you I, heard I, any of his stuff? Um, I mean, probably, probably he's, he's probably another one of those that, you know, I've heard all, a lot of his stuff and just don't realize it's him. Yeah, so, kind of like Elton John, his catalog is just huge too. Right, right. And you know, I 
this is going to sound a little strange, but the more I listen to Elton John, the more I kind of dislike Elton John. Really? His music just doesn't really grab me. Oh, man. It definitely grabs me. Like, obviously, he's got he's got some bops. Like, you know, the stuff that, you know, Crocodile Rock, you know, Tiny Dancer, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Like, you know, the stuff that everybody knows. But I, I, I'm kind of starting. So the more I get into vinyl and things like that with vinyl, I'm sh- and I'm sure we've mentioned this before on the podcast, it, you don't really have a choice but to listen to the deep tracks. You can't really skip around like you can with a CD or a digital playlist or what, or what have you. So you have to really get into the deep tracks. So I'm starting to rank how much I like an artist by how much I like their deep tracks, not how much I like their hits. Yeah. Um, and, and Elton John, I'm, I just, I'm having trouble liking his deep tracks and I would say that the two albums I have by him are his better ones. I have Goodbye Yellow Brick Road and Madman Across the Water. Yeah, I mean, those are two of my favorites. So, and I mean, obviously, there could be other albums out there that maybe might grab me a little bit more, but it's his deep tracks just, for whatever reason, they just don't grab me. They're not bad songs by any means, um, but they're not memorable. Like, I can't... Usually, if you name an artist and I have one at least a couple or one of their albums, I can name a deep track by them that I really, really like. Um, but with him, I couldn't. That's unfortunate because I feel the exact opposite way. I have begun to invert my liking of Elton John. And by that, I mean I like his deep tracks better than his hits. <laughs> so. Oh. It's it's very interesting, you and I, that, you know, we like so much of the same stuff, but we don't like so much of the same stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we like a lot of the a lot of the same, like, in artists, but we tend to have different opinions about them. I think one of the we agree on most things, but like once you get like you delve into it, we tend to disagree on other things like, for instance, Elton John or Steely Dan. Like on the surface, you know, you and I both like, you know, the Steely Dan genre, the, the their general so, sort of music. But once we get into like actually Steely Dan, like I'm like, yeah, they have a couple of good songs, but you're like, no, they're so good. Yeah, it definitely takes time. Like, well, it's just so yeah. it's, it's I think it just goes to show how complex having a taste in music is because you know while on the surface we would probably just agree on just about anything but once you get actually like down into it and actually like a little bit more in depth about well we like classic rock but once you get down into specific artists and specific albums and stuff like that we like different things yeah yeah i think our our music maps would be somewhat different um, if you haven't looked at music map, I think it's just a website called music map, music map.com and you type in an artist that you like, and then it gives you like crowdsourced, you know, uh, associations of other artists that are similar or kind of similar based on like how close they are to the central, uh, nucleus of that original artist you put in. So I think we would you know, have very different 
relationships of different artists, but we would have a lot of the same artists on that, you know, on that whole screen. Right. Like I just, just did it as just to see what it's about. And I typed in Billy Joel and Elton John is like the closest one to Billy Joel because they're very similar artists. They're the piano men. They've toured together, you know, things like that. But, you know, the more I listen to Elton John, the more I'm not a huge Elton John fan. Uh, so it's, it's interesting, actually. Yeah. So I've also dipped my toes into more new stuff. You know, obviously I'm kind of chained to 80s and before in most cases. But and and when I say new stuff, I mean like 2010 and after. So still not new. But um, people like Dua Lipa and Sarah Bareilles and Adele, uh, Bruno Mars, and um, Greta Van Fleet, I think are people I'm going to watch for quite some time. Uh, and in the, you know, actually popular space for sure. Dua Lipa is someone to watch. Uh, we, we've talked about her music before, but to me, that is the best current combination of like just classic pop grooves with songwriting and production right now that I've heard. And it's just, it's just classic. You know, it's, it, it's her, her latest album is called Future Nostalgia. And uh, it's, I think that's pretty on point because that is a future classic album for me anyway. What about you? Have you heard any more recent stuff? You know, and I think you'll agree with this statement. Um, popular music as a whole is really on a downward spiral. Um, you know, the more rappers who come out with the with the word Lil in their title, uh, the worse rap is. Um, and I'm not super into, like, the hip-hop dance or whatever. I couldn't, I almost couldn't name a song that's on the radio popular right now. Um, I would agree with the artists that you listed especially um, Adele and Bruno Mars, because in my opinion, they're one of the few, like the ones you named are the few that are still making actual music. Yeah. And by actual music, I mean, you know, the amount of writers that were involved in the song is less than like five. Um, like you see so many songs that have like six, seven, eight, nine different writers. None of them are the actual artists. And most of the lyrics are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like eight guys, that's the best they could come up with. Well, I mean, <laughs> the Beatles did that, so you can't really blame them. <laughs> but, right, but the, the Beatles had actual songwriters in the group. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, well, that uh, and Adele and Bruno Mars are actually talented people, right? They're actually extremely talented people. They're not just good looking, 
Yeah. I mean, in some cases they have not been the best looking. I right. mean, uh, but that doesn't matter because their stage presence is better than anybody else. Cause they actually have talent. Right. I, I I've seen, a have seen people with t-shirts or bumper stickers that said, let ugly people make music again. Yeah. <laughs> Let's Which, do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, Billy Joel, isn't the easy, like he's a short, you know, curly haired. He's not exactly hot, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, like if you look at you know pictures of him in the seventies and the eighties, he's not exactly you know Fabio or whatever, but he makes fantastic music. So, or if you look at the guys for Leonard Skinner, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so yikes. But, uh, yeah, another yeah. person I left out is uh, Ariana Grande. I don't know if you've listened to much of her stuff, but uh, and she's gone a little bit, a little bit too mainstream recently for me. But she's such a talented singer, and you see her do live performances where she's nailing every note and like visibly out of breath, and you know doing doing all the choreography and everything. And she just, she just does it so well. I don't enjoy all of her songs. And I think, you know, her music, what is it? Like two or three albums ago is probably my favorite, but, um, she, she's just got it, you know, figured out. So I gotta, I gotta hand it to her. Not, not all artists do. Um, if we're talking about a, a guilty pleasure for me, uh, that would be uh, Shake It Off by Taylor Swift. And I have given Taylor Swift a chance. I listened to like all of the 1989 album to see if there were any other songs anywhere close to as good as Shake It Off. And there weren't. <laughs> I'm not the right demographic for Taylor Swift music at all, but, uh, gosh, they are boring songs and <laughs> they're all exactly the same. Like I, if you compare a song of Taylor Swift from you know 2010 and one from now, it's just about the same thing. Like it's a slightly different style. Uh, and I, I know I'm going to cause probably some people to not even, listen to me anymore you can turn off the podcast if you want but well this is gonna make me sound about a thousand years old because i'm pretty sure the people have said this about different music trends about it since time immemorial um but i think it's about musicianship and there's not in today's popular music there just isn't a whole lot of it you really don't have to have any sort of musical talent whatsoever to be a famous musician anymore. Right. Uh, with yeah, with auto tune and electronic beats and, and things like that. Like you really don't have to have musical talent. And even, you know, the, the, the ones who do end up getting to the point where that musical talent is spoiled because they're trying to fit into the mainstream. Like I, I think it's, there's no arguing that 
Justin Bieber is a talented singer. But there's also no arguing that his music is very, very basic. He, I think he could be much better if he wasn't trying, didn't try to fit into the mainstream, but he'd also be a lot poorer if he didn't do that. So, yeah, it's, I think it's just the, the general taste and the general production of music. Like, you know, it's, it's cheaper to make an electronic thing and it's, you know, probably easier to, it's easier to find someone who's good looking and can't sing rather than someone who can sing really well and isn't as good looking it's easier to sell the good looking person so <clears throat> i think it's it's a money grubbing thing because like you know you some of the people we listen to you, if if you listen to a billy joel song um or a steely dan song there's obviously some extremely complex musical things going on in those songs even if it is just elevator music right so I don't know when it changed. I think it was like the 90s. With I, if I had to point to a moment in music that it all changed, it would be 90s boy bands. Yeah, I think I think the 90s in general is kind of an inflection point for the music industry. Uh, definite definite change in style, change in production, uh, change in musical taste. You know, it was a different time for sure. But, uh, you know, it, I pay less and less attention to, you know, the, the quality of the recording or the production, um, compared to how the artist does in a live setting. And a lot of this is just, you know, watching random YouTube videos about, you know, some random mashup between two artists or, you know, something about, you know, a, a cover by some famous artist of another famous artist song. But like, for example, I, uh, I saw a video that was, uh, Sarah Bareilles, who I mentioned earlier, um, came out on a Taylor Swift stage when she was on tour and Taylor Swift just loved one of Sarah's songs and invited her out. And they both did the song. And, uh, and granted, it, it was Sarah's song, but Sarah absolutely stole the show from Taylor, who's just floundered in comparison to the, you know, the, like you said, the musicianship the emotion and the stage presence of Sarah Bareilles, who's not nearly as popular as Taylor Swift. Uh, but to me, that was just like a side-by-side -side comparison of like two completely different artists. And one of them is clearly the better musician. Um, and the same kind of thing that, like I mentioned with Ariana Grande, who can just do whatever she wants, it seems like. Uh, you know, Bruno Mars, where his whole band can dance in synchronicity while playing their instruments, or at least acting like they are. Um, and, I mean, he can sing the whole, you know, the whole time, 
no faults, no mistakes. And it's just, it's just a sight to behold. He's quite a dancer too, isn't he? In my mind, he is. Um, and like I said, his, you know, I watch his, his entire band just dance along with him. I have a huge respect for Bruno Mars's bassist. I don't even remember his name, but he's a heck of a bassist. And he's, he kind of has like a 60s Motown style sometimes. It's a, like very melodic bass playing. And he's standing there up on stage with his bass, standing, you know, off to the side in the line of musicians. And he's doing every single step while playing this, you know, funky bass riff. And it's 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 amazing to me to watch. But yeah, a lot of it comes from what I see them do in a live setting. Um and well, what I see their counterparts not do. So like well, in, Justin Bieber in, trying to cover a Drake song is just a, a no-go for me. <laughs> I, I, well, uh, I'm glad you mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause that did bring to mind a contemporary musician who I think is worth watching. And that's Brendan Urie. He has an incredible voice and is also an incredible showman. He's a freak of nature. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he's another one whose talents go beyond the music he's famous for. Panic at the Disco, don't get me wrong. Panic at the Disco is great. Um, but seeing him do covers of, like, Bohemian Rhapsody, covering Freddie Mercury is dangerous territory. You Like, there have been people, so many have tried and just failed incredibly um, but I would say that the person who's come the closest is Brendan Urie and his cover of Bohemian Rhapsody. It, that cover is incredible. So yeah, he is definitely a contemporary musician to watch. Uh, and he's definitely one of the, one of those that falls into the category of just has a crap load of talent. Yeah. It's pretty clear once you've once you've seen them performing and you know heard some of their other music or their, their songs which which ones are actually talented um I'm really happy to see a musician like Dua Lipa you know pretty much rise up the ranks over the past few years and take on a lot of the superstars cuz she's so much better than a lot of them it's just it's no comparison for me well and what what's what gives me some hope which is probably misplaced is Greta Van Fleet like the fact that they can come and make the music that we listen to in today and be successful and sound really good like they're the they're the second coming of Led Zeppelin I don't know that I would necessarily say that they're as good as Led Zeppelin, but they're as close as we're going to get to the end today. Absolutely. Um, and to see them like stay true to that, you know, kind of music and be successful with it makes me really happy. And it makes me wish that more bands would do it. Yeah. But, I haven't really kept track of the, the rock and metal scene. I haven't heard of too many new bands that are, you know, 
actually getting popular. A lot of what I've seen is just your typical early 2000s rock bands that are on their 12th album now and kind of tired. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I haven't heard about too much new stuff, and maybe I just well, haven't you, looked into it. And you get, you know, the the old timers that are still putzing around the studio, like ACDC just did an album. Ozzy Osbourne just did a new album. Metallica did a new album not too long ago, like, I haven't really listened to any of their stuff and I'm not sure that I want to because I don't want to be disappointed. Like I, the last album that ACDC did before this last one, I think it was like Black Ice or whatever it was called, was not a great album. Yeah, well, it's going to be tough for ACDC in particular because they have a deaf lead singer now. So it's kind of yeah. hard to come back from that. Well, I mean, they did have a dead lead singer. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) but no, it's, I think, um, you know, we've talked a lot about Billy Joel, but he's one of the ones that has been like, you know, I think the world has, has heard enough of me. And I would almost... I think I would take a bad Billy Joel album over just about anybody else's good album though. Like, I feel like his last album came out in like 1992 or 93. You can't tell me he hasn't put together. Like I've watched interviews with him and he, he says he plays for multiple hours every day. You can't tell me he doesn't have something fantastic just sitting around. Yeah. He's got to be sick and tired of playing all those hits all the time yeah but uh yeah he still sells out madison square until covid still sells out madison square garden pretty much every single night of the week so yeah even people in texas came to see him including us yeah (laughs) yeah exactly i mean i flew to texas for like 12 hours to see (laughs) billy yeah what Um, about um what about some bands that, by all intents and purposes, you should like, but you just cannot stand? Do you have any of those? Um, yes. I'm having trouble thinking of some off the top of my head. Uh, well, actually, I was going to talk about... I listened to Paul McCartney's latest album that just came out, Paul McCartney 3. Um, that didn't have any magic for me. I totally respect the guy because he's old, like old, and he's still making like you know competent music. Um, so I I gotta give him respect, but I'm not a fan of the Beatles. Like okay, a lot of their stuff doesn't really connect with me, musically, lyrically, you know, whatever. Um, I would. I would say on the majority of their catalog, I would tend to agree with you. Um, they're not all they're cracked up to be, for sure. I definitely respect the influence that they had on the genre. Well, uh, the world. Um, but I I think I told you, Josh, that I recently picked up a box set of like 15 Rolling Stones albums. And sure, sure, Rolling Stones were just, you know, following in the Beatles' footsteps and copying everything they did, but 
I enjoy the Rolling Stones a lot more than the Beatles. <laughs> well, the Rolling Stones rock a hell of a lot harder than the Beatles did. Yeah, in most cases. Yeah. Um, the, the Beatles do have some some good stuff. While my guitar gently, while my guitar gently weeps, is a seriously good song. Yeah, which um, I mean, we have Eric Clapton partially to thank for that one, which I'm a big well, fan of him too. Yeah, um, but that's a seriously that's the first one that that's my favorite one of theirs. Um, but they've got some Hard Day's Night is a solid one. Help is a really good one. Yeah, I mean, they each album has its moment for me. But like you said, I you know measuring an artist by their deep tracks, you can't do that with the Beatles. It's just right, which, like, oh my god. <laughs> well, you know, I haven't really had a chance. I don't have any Beatles albums yet, so. Yeah, I have the White Album, and I just got the uh, twenty nineteen or twenty twenty remaster of Abbey War Abbey Road, uh, which Abbey Road is a much better album than I had realized. But um, the White Album once again has its moments uh you know back in the ussr uh while my guitar gently weeps you know um if i'm feeling kind of funky i might you know put on rocky raccoon or something like that but or uh obla di obla da that's a good one but uh all the rest is just kind of like yeah they tried it and it doesn't work for me a lot more of the stuff that the Rolling Stones tried definitely works for me. Yeah, I, I would say um, the reason I brought that up is you mentioned one of those bands for me, and the other one is staring at me on this music map here. Uh, we'll go chronologically. The first one is Creedence Clearwater Revival. Not a fan. Well, don't haven't you said you just don't like the lead singer's voice? Can't stand it. It's gr- it's it's just to me it's extremely grating. John Fogerty's voice is so grating. Uh, um, I disagree. No, it's no, it's not great. And um, the the other one is Pearl Jam. Do not like Pearl Jam. Yeah, I mean, I grew up with Pearl Jam, and I I still enjoyed their '90s rock era. So. And I I like ba- I like other bands from that era, just not Pearl Jam. Yeah, I also so. uh, I kind of don't really care for Nirvana. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, they're a decent band, but uh, kind of like you don't like John Fogerty, I don't like Kurt Cobain's just whatever it is voice his depressed stoner voice whatever uh well and it's pearl jam it's it's eddie vetter for me yeah like like he he just is yell slurring his lyrics like what is going on (laughs) yeah it was a it was a time for experimentation for sure um I think I've heard uh, heard a quote like you can sing most '90s songs just by making just vowel sounds. (laughs) 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 
but no, I mean, it's a CCR just like I like their I like the music. Like if you put on Fortunate Son and without the lyrics, yeah, I could I could jam to that. That's really unfortunate. Like, that opening guitar riff is incredible. But and and I do I like the lyrics, I like the tune, I just don't like the voice. So that's my piece on that. Also, Bob Dylan. Really like his music. Great songwriter. Horrible singer. He's not a good singer and he's not a good guitarist. But other than that. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's a person that should be ghostwriting for other people. <laughs> yeah. I, I've only dipped a toe, maybe two toes, into Bob Dylan. And I, I think Blonde on Blonde is phenomenal. Uh, but... You know, there's. Well, he's kind of got made too many albums syndrome for me, but uh, yeah, I mean, people always say he's the you know one of the greatest songwriters of all time, and there are definitely songs that connect with me. But I mean, it's just a, it's just a totally different time, different place, different type of language that doesn't always connect with me uh, personally. And that's not to detract from him, but my interest is, I guess, not what a lot of people's interest is. No, I will say for Bob Dylan, you know, a blind squirrel finds an acorn eventually. Um, I will say that his version of Knocking on Heaven's Door is the far superior version. I would agree. His his version of Knocking on Heaven's Door is, is very, very good. And that's not to say that the Guns N' Roses version or whatever other version isn't good. Obviously the Guns N' Roses version is good because they're almost more famous for it than oh, he absolutely. is. Um but his version is superior by all means. Definitely. Definitely. I I would do totally agree with that. Um actually the song that kinda got me into Bob Dylan was uh The Hurricane. I'm not familiar with that one. That's uh I believe it's based on a a real story about an African-American man getting falsely accused for murder and, um, you know, tried and convicted, um, which is, you know, right up Bob Dylan's alley to write about, but it's actually, it's actually a really gripping song. Uh, I don't know much about the story, which is unfortunate. I should, I should learn about it. Um, but I mean, there's, there's so much in Bob Dylan's catalog to to look at. I'm just trying to make it through James Taylor's catalog. I mentioned the Rolling Stones. I've got a bunch to listen to. Um, so that's kind of where I've been focusing for the yeah, moment. James Taylor on this map here is actually next to somebody I've been getting into a lot lately, Jim Croce. Oh, yes. I adore Jim Croce now. I, I had never heard of him until like four years ago, which is <laughs> unfortunate. Um, but he's just, it, it's just, it's all good. It's all good, man. Yeah. I, the two that, the two that I like best by him so far, operator and time in a bottle. Yeah. Those are, those are really good. So if he's, if he's close to James Taylor on here, I think I'll I'll really like James Taylor. Yeah, you should give some like mid seventies James Taylor a try. 
mid to late seventies. Uh, he's in like a little cluster here. It's uh, James Taylor, Jim Croce, Cat Stevens, and John Denver. Okay. And then Van Morrison is sort of in that cluster, but a little bit further out. Yeah, Van Morrison. I love one of his albums, and I don't care for any of his other albums. <laughs> Moon Dance is spectacular. And then everything else I'm not into. I'm a little shocked that I don't see Jackson Brown on this map. I would say Jackson Brown has a little different flavor, but uh, he's one of the people that got me into that more, you know, 70s folk style uh, music. I would say he's fairly similar to Billy Joel. Yeah, yeah, I would say so too. Similar enough that he should at least be on this map. Yeah, that's weird that he isn't. I mean, Def Leppard's on here. Really? Yeah. Huh. Well, that's what you get for crowdsourcing. Yeah, true. True, true. I think uh, I think that's about all I have to say about that. Well, okay then. Uh, thanks for listening to our rant. I hope this opened your mind up to maybe some new artists or, uh, well, maybe we made some people mad and they won't listen to us ever again, but so be it. Uh, we'll catch you on the next podcast and thanks for listening. Ayanara. Ayanara.